Divorce Not Option podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yes, and please be sure to subscribe and follow our podcast so that you can be automatically alerted when we produce a new episode on iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And tell a friend and repost and we tweet, retweet this podcast for us. Hey, y'all. This, is, this, is that how this podcast is going to be? You, you, we're not able to say retweet? <laughs> you can say it either. Dang it. I was hoping you didn't catch that. <laughs> It's hard. Um, also, do we need to just write "Hey y'all" in the strip in the script? Because I think "Hey y'all" should be a before you say. It should you know, be, but I just you know went to, just started going, and then it was like, oh yeah, I didn't say "Hey y'all" because you caught me off guard and realized we had started. Okay, so I'm gonna put "Hey y'all" in the script going forward, so we just know where that's at. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be waiting for it now. Like I don't know, you have a bad podcast. I think if we don't do "Hey y'all" at the beginning now. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about an article I wrote called Five Reasons Why My Relationship Works with My Drug Addicted. Okay, I can't talk to you. This is going to be a bad podcast. It's because you just said, hey, y'all, first. I knew you were going to say that. Whatever. You know, let's, kick it up. Let's, let's, do, let's do it from the top again. Okay, <laughs> so this is the Divorce is Not an Option podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Please be sure to subscribe, follow the podcast, and tell a friend. iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. I'm not, not even trying to say retweet. <laughs> That's what I was about to ask you. Still skip that. When you're not trying to say it, it says, it says it right. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about an article I wrote called Five Reasons Why My Relationship Works Better with My Drug-Addicted Boyfriend. That's right. I said five reasons <laughs> Why am I? What you laughing hard at, Mar? Craziest. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Five reasons why my relationship works with my drug addicted boyfriend. Mm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me. Okay, I I say I wrote, but we got to say Tamara. Tamara, what did you do for the article? <laughs> what did, What did you do? What do you do over there when I send articles to you and say, "Hey, what you think about this? Or what's going on?" Ah, uh, I take it and I make it better. Oh. <laughs> So, I mean, like, I, I I just put a little, you know, stank on it. See, see, in the old days, you used to, like, do edits, and I used to see why, how it was better, and you don't do that no more. You just, like, rewrite well, it. Okay, so to, to make that fair, back in the day, you were writing just, like, you know, advisory kind of articles or whatever. This is when you tried to write from the perspective of a woman, and you needed a woman's touch. you saying I can't? Going no. to uh, no, uh, you wrote it like act. a dude. <laughs> I wrote, uh, I write, uh, uh, that's what Steve Harvey would say, right? He would say, "What well, uh, think like a man, act like a lady." So it's kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> you got that. All I wrote. Wrong. I wrote like a dude. You know what I'm saying? You wrote like so, a dude. Okay, so what else is that you do with the article besides make it better? I mean, is it okay, something more, so or is that basically it? We can say I co-pilot. So you know, you the pilot, I co-pilot, and just you know, make sure. That everything stays on track. So you over there sitting over there, and I'm like, yo, we're gonna go to this latitude and this longitude, and then you say, mm, yes, or we could go to this latitude and this longitude. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to look at you like, ah, and I guess that's the right way to go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I did not 
recognize that your role was that significant in the, you know, but you know what? I'll reread something and I'll be like, I don't know what she, you know what it is, Tamara? You know what? It, you, you could be a co-pilot. You can also be a co-chef, right? Because sometimes if somebody puts something in the, in, in the gumbo, you'd be like, I don't know what they put in this gumbo. Yep. Yep. Yep, I can take that. I could be sous chef. I could do that. <laughs> sous chef, I, like I don't know what they did. I don't like it's the rue. All I know is rue. You know, you know all the stuff that's going to gumbo. You got, you got one thing. That's all right. That's I know okay. one thing. You put some rue in that's it and some you flour or something. I'm sure it's you know, a lot of chefs who put their names on stuff and they didn't do that. <laughs> we're not gonna go through. We're not gonna go through what's all in gumbo right now. No, probably not. No, we're not gonna do that. Let's move okay, forward. So. Let's move forward. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I have one thing that I want to talk about before we actually jump into the article. If, um, if this, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. I thought you was gonna say something else. I'm sorry. Okay, no, no. I'm just saying. I, I just want to. Um, and I, I know this is kind of off track, but I wanted to get into something else. Um, so you know how people are always saying that marriages have ups and downs, and we need to compromise and work through our issues, and and of course we have titled this podcast "Divorce Is Not an Option." But I want like a real in-depth, applicable, like tangible, tried and true, tested examples of a detailed explanation of how you problem solve in marriage. Because, I mean, this whole, you know, work through your issues don't really help nobody. That, that was a whole lot of T's, like tangible, <laughs> tried. Tested, true. Where you going with this? No, like for real. You know, people be like, you know, I mean, you just, you just stick it out. You just, you just figure it out. You just, but I mean, that that's not an answer. So problem solving in marriage. Okay, so okay, so first, the first part of marriage. The first thing about marriage is marriage is on the job training, right? There are millions of things that people do, right, for the first time, and marriage is one of those things where. You can't really prepare for it. Like you can watch, you can observe, um, you can take advice from someone else, but until you really feel, you know, what's going on in a marriage, you 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 don't know how to compromise. You don't know how to problem solve. Okay, that's great. But that's still really general. Okay, okay, compromising, sacrificing. Um, okay, so so for example, let's take money, right? Okay. Like I never I never really had a budget until I got married. Like I really had to talk to myself a lot about watching my wife's money. Cause I, I could just spend. And then when I got married, I was like, what is she spending money on? <laughs> Nanya. And, you know, and so <laughs> what I, what I came up with at the time, like, okay, so we really should have four accounts where I don't need to know what she's spending her daily money on. So I said, okay, we need to have a, a shared account where we pay all our bills from, where we, you know, have our, our investments, our healthcare or whatever, car notes, mortgage, all that, daycare, all that comes out of that. And then I have an, a discretionary amount and she has a discretionary amount. And I don't know what she spent her discretionary amount on. I don't care. I, it doesn't impact the budget of the family. Okay. So how do you decide what goes in that joint account? And so what goes in a joint account is everything that I can schedule. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for example, I don't put the dry cleaning in there because I don't go to dry cleaning every week. It's not a set bill uh, and the dry cleaning is different every time we go because the clothes are different or whatever. And groceries, I don't put in there because groceries are different. Okay. Well, hair and nails are schedulable as well. That's schedulable, but that's your personal business. I don't want to know how often or how many nails you get or how many, how much hair you get or if you get a week. 
that's true. So that's her personal discretionary money. And the discretionary money is the same for husband and wife. I don't care what a person makes. I don't care if the husband makes 200000 I, I pretty much don't care if it's fair or not. I'm telling you it's going to work for me. <laughs> but I'm just saying, okay, look, look. So you're going to get your hair cut for $25 a week, whereas, you know, my hair costs $100. Then those types of things do have to be negotiated because that's true. Because every week I go is twenty five dollars. If my wife went every week, it would definitely be like one hundred and fifty dollars a week. Exactly. Or however, so some things you so you do have to negotiate in terms of what is determined to be discretionary, right? And so and so and if hair is something that is one hundred and fifty dollars a week, maybe you guys decide that okay. For for hair, we're gonna put that in the shared account budget at one hundred and fifty dollars a week, and then the man is gonna put in his twenty five dollars a week too. And then at the end of all those things that you feel like are shared, then you have your discretionary gift. Okay. And so that's an example of negotiation. Like that's an example of uh, of approaching a problem with a mindset of solving it. Like how can we solve it? And the goal, and every problem you gotta have a goal, right? And the goal was. How do we end up with the same amount of discretionary money so no one's watching what other person is spending? That's how I arrived at that. Okay. So how do you get on the same page to even have that mentality? Because you have people who are like, A, I make more than she makes, um, so she on her own. Or B, um, you know, like I just said, some discretionary funds, like some man may decide that there is no reason whatsoever that I need to be paying for your hair and nails. Right. And so and that's that's disappointing when people feel like that. But the fact the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you don't have an approach where the discretionary is the same, the marriage is not going to work over the long haul because you have different mm. things that you argue about. That's a strong right? statement. And so, Right. I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of times I get to say something kind of surface level, but we don't get to really dig deep. And I have like principles that I apply to everything. Right. And so the example would be, um, I remember I threw my mom under the bus because she don't listen to the podcast that much anyway. And so I remember one time my mom said, I come, my mom called me like, hey, I'm going on a cruise next week. Just wanted to let you know I was going to be gone. I said, oh, mom, what do you mean? You going on a cruise. What about your husband? My mom said he don't have no money. Oh, wow. And that was just matter of fact. Right. Like, like I'm going with my girls and he don't have no money. As if he had money, he can go. Like, oh, it'd be cool if he and but and a right, a, a year later they got a divorce. You know what I'm saying? And he was going through uh and they got married at a later, you know, they both got married a little older, over 50 or something like that, dated for some years, got married and after that. But then my mom made bank, my mom got good money. He he don't have a lot of money, right? Yeah. And so, but they always kept their money separate. So when he went through a tough situation, he had no choice but to look at her and say, help me. And her look back and say, you're a grown man. Why you can't take care of yourself? Okay, the marriage is going to be over. So he started having problems with his car, for example. His car always having trouble. And he's retired. You know, he had a strict budget. He was sticking to and all that. And so he couldn't fix his car. My mom looking at him like, that's your car, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. And so every once in a while, she would help out. I'm not trying. I don't want to paint her too bad of a picture. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like she was selfish. But she definitely had the mindset of, you are a grown man. You should be able to take care of yourself. I'm a grown woman. I'm going to take care of myself. If I need to help you out every once in a while, cool, but I'm not going to take care of you. To whereas I try to talk to my mom about just split the money. Money is not what makes people happy. That's another principle that I have. 
right? So, because because people who got money are still looking for love, or looking for affection, or looking for intimacy, and if they're not looking for those things, then there's something else they're looking for. They're looking for glory, or you know, the, a feel of importance, or something like that. Something the else. Studies that they're have for. actually been done on that, and they say that when you hit a certain amount, um, for Americans today, that's probably around seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars annually. Once you hit that, your happiness doesn't grow. Right. That's- and then it becomes, I read that, I read something like that too, where it said that then it just becomes a greed thing. Exactly. And so it's, it's no longer that I need money or money is my reward. Now it's that I have more money than you. Right. You know, I, I make more than you. I want to make more than them. Like I'm a CEO and I make $5 million a year. And now I heard that the CEO across the street makes $6 million a year. Right. So next year I need to make $7 million a year. Not that that million matters. At all. Right. And so and so the thing I try to teach couples is, is that money does not make you happy. If you can figure out how to make the money and the discretionary equal, then long term, your marriage will be happier. Because then I have men who feel like, OK, and if you don't do it like that, let's talk about some reasons that why it happened like, as we're going through problem solving and figuring it out. If you don't do it like that, what happens is now the husband and wife are going out to dinner and we're trying to figure out who's going to pay. Right. <laughs> Husband is like, well, I can't pay every time we go out because, you know, then you that comes out of my discretionary, yeah. right? Or you decide that comes out of the shared, or then it becomes how much money you spend out of the shared account. You know what I mean? And so it, it's just too many things that you have to worry about when you say you have the same amount of discretionary money, you have the same expectations of having a budget to say, hey, I'm going to be responsible. So like, for example, over the weekend, I bought some shoes, right? That came out of my discretionary money. And so for the rest of this week, I need to be more careful about sometimes I go ball out at lunch. I'm spending twenty dollars a day at lunch and I come home and I get something to eat and all that kind of stuff. And so this week now I have to tell myself is Wednesday, you know, I need to be more careful with my money through the rest of the week. Maybe I need to eat some salads the rest of the week. You know what I'm saying? And so that's not to say just for all the podcasters out there, your boy got that cheese. Don't worry about it. I, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I got that cheese. Don't worry about it. But 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 the but the point is I put myself on a budget because that is the responsible thing to do. So if you see me tomorrow and I say I'm broke, trust and believe that me saying I'm broke means I don't want to spend money outside of what I budgeted to spend. Got it. I understand that all the time. Right. Which means, too, that I've eliminated any issue of debating money in my household. We don't. and, And money is the number one reason people get divorced. Not infidelity, not church, not religion or whatever. It's money. Right. Uh, and it's not just, you know, how you spend money. It's it's your expectation of, you know, what you have, you know, in discretionary. Like I have one client who's like, I want my, my gas tank to never go below half tank. And I'm like, what? Like, what? Cars are built to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's I not necessary. It's fast to eat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I want to know exactly how many miles I got past to eat. Because right. I just hate stopping to fill up gas. And so for me, problem solving is about, you know, it's not just about saying, and then uh, then it's approach to problem solving too that I try to coach couples on, right? So as soon as, you know, let's break it down like this. As soon as you're having a debate or a difference of opinion with your partner, with your spouse, what you have to be to do is understand what they are trying to get out of this debate, right? And so let's give an example. So say I want to go out to dinner at seven o'clock, right? And my wife wants to go out to dinner at five o'clock, mm-hmm. right? My, I have to now stop and figure out why she wants to go out to dinner at five o'clock, right? And too mo- too often what we do in relationships is we keep saying, no, I'm going to go at seven. Yeah. No, I want, I want to go at seven. 
right? But I mean, I think also it's important to note that even in that situation, going out to dinner at six o'clock may not be the compromise. It may be right. we're going out to dinner at five o'clock today and we'll get what I want tomorrow. Right. It could be a perfectly good reason why my spouse wants to go out at five o'clock. Um, but the point still in that is that we make sure we have to stop and and really we, we're making it simple. I don't know if we can think of a more complicated scenario, but really, if you apply it across all situations, the first thing you do is you figure out why they want what they want. Well, since you, you want know, more complicated, let's try sex. Uh-oh, what you got? Well, I mean, <laughs> you were giving examples like, um, you know, what about relationships where one partner wants sex more than the other? It's it's again, you know what? It's a, another good question, Tamara. Can you can you could can you put these in the script? Like you could have asked me, <laughs> should have told me these was coming up. You know what I'm saying? So I can have my real professional response. My, my polished response. I could have said, okay. Well, and and what's funny? And like we said in a couple podcasts before, uh, more and more women are more um, uh, the sexual. What's the word I want to use? Like requiring more sex in marriage than a lot of times men these days. I don't know. It's because we're getting older or what's going on. But um, the thing I say about sex with couples is, is that you got to remember in sex, it's funny how often we forget this. Mm -hmm. Sexually, you get one person to please you. That's it. I got my wife. All my sexual needs, desires, dreams, everything. My wife is the only person that can complete those dreams for me. Um, I had a couple come in one day where a woman just was like so excited to come and see me and she was so pumped up and she started off with, he thinks I'm his porn star. Please tell him I'm not his porn star. And I said, uh, yeah, you are his porn star. And you should have saw how deflated, right? She was just like deflated. I was like, like every person should have a porn star in marriage, like all of us. Yeah, you know, and that's not, and that doesn't mean when I say porn star, that doesn't mean that you active everyday porn star. You got to shoot movies. That just means that okay, I need to make sure that I meet my spouse halfway and making them happy. And on occasion, you know, we need to do something wild and crazy so we ain't got to be creative outside of our marriage or you know having thoughts and dreams and fantasies about other women. We need to take that on ourselves and say, how can I make my person, my partner happy over a long, and I get people who really forget. I get people who are like, okay, so we have to have sex. Yeah. So how do you negotiate sexual satisfaction though? It's how you negotiate sexual, well, you can really into the details. You notice I had to restate it because that gives me time. <laughs> To like think you through, you I know. Mean, it, really it is trying to figure out because if you have somebody who, I mean, like you're talking about the wife who's like he won't too much, mm-hmm. and she don't want to do it. Like that's not some, that's not what sa- satisfies her. So how do you make what satisfies him and what satisfies her come together? Okay, again, it, it starts fundamentally where you say to yourself, "Okay, I'm the husband. My wife comes to me and says, hey, 'Hey, I'm not pleased sexually. I would like to try some different things.'" Mm-hmm. As the husband, I have to be open to pleasing her sexually because she's my life partner. And so if I don't get, if if I don't make her happy, then what is she supposed to do? Just be unhappy? You know, and that's the thing that people like, like, like the, I, I give the example of like, if I don't want Popeyes, I can go to churches, right? right? If I don't want churches, I can go to Wingstop. You know what I'm saying? If I want Wingstop, I can go to KFC, whatever. But with sex, I can't go anywhere else. This is it. So my wife comes to me and she's unhappy or she needs something more than I need to come off of my, 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 my ego 
and say, okay, I need to handle business differently okay, that's and experiment one. on the right. Go that's ahead. a big one. Just, I mean, the male ego, just like, okay, it's not about you. And, and actually it's not just a male ego thing. I think women get sensitive as well. It's not about you. It's not, you know, taking it personally or hurt because you're, um, spouse is not, you know, satisfied at that moment. Um, and it's, it's an issue or something that can be resolved as opposed to an attack. Right. Um, and uh, again, it's, it's very simple. I have to restate it over and over again. It's between these two, two people only. I had, I had another couple come to me once where they weren't having sex and the wife was just like, I don't want to have sex. I don't know why. I just, I just don't want to have sex. And I was like, you don't find your husband attractive? He's like, no, it's not that. I think he's attractive. You know, he's fine. I've always been attracted to him, but I'm not sexually aroused. And I was like, okay, well, you don't get to just not have sex in marriage <laughs> because he, you, you can't control his sex, right? And so some people, sometimes people, and that's how I state, stated, like you're trying to control all of the sex and if you can't control all of the sex because you're only half of it. So if you control his sex, then he wants to maintain control of his sex. You know what I mean? Like, so really, you're just controlling your sex. And if you make it yours and he make it his, then he might go get his sexual needs fulfilled somewhere else. But I, Right? Okay. But I think that we're kind of doing a one-sided perspective here in this discussion um, because it's all what to do to satisfy the partner that's unsatisfied. What about the partner that doesn't want to have sex as much? I, I mean, I think that's a two-way street. Like if one yeah, wants to have sex, you know, every day and one wants to have sex, you know, twice a week, you got to figure out how to satisfy both. Right. And so, well, you, you may not satisfy both. Like if one person wants to have sex every day and the other person wants to have sex twice a week, you're not going to satisfy both, but this is marriage and you, and you, or, you know, the person with the, the situation, they joined into a relationship where you compromise. Mm. Right. And so, and so you have to be able to, just today I was talking to a client where I said that you have to understand how your partner feels and understand why and not think that they're crazy just because they think something different from you, mm-hmm. right? And so if I'm if I'm the person that wants to have sex every, every day, I got to understand that my wife doesn't want to have sex every day and that's her right to have that feeling. So how can we now meet halfway? So that's a conversation to say, okay, what are the reasons or, or how can I help us have a more intimate lifestyle? How can I help us you know, and, and then my, my, my client today said, well, I, I'm so embarrassed to say that we schedule sex. And I was like, why are you embarrassed to say that? Like, I think that's perfectly fine if you schedule a sexual experience, as we talked about on a, a couple of podcasts a couple of weeks ago. Like, it's an experience. Right. It's not just go, OK, at nine o'clock, I'm going to put it in. And then at 902, I'm going to take it out. You know what I'm saying? mindset, too. Like, I mean, because yes. I was saying last week, that's that's what I hear when I hear scheduled sex. So, you know, that's a whole different mindset we have to be open to. And so if you want to, and so, so if you want to have, and then what I said to, I actually had a guy uh, about a month ago who said, I do want to have sex every day. But then he also complained about his wife not being involved sexually. He was like, sometimes she just lay there. (laughs) And I was like, man, that's because she don't want to have sex. You know what I'm saying? And so like, she's just going to lay there. I said, why don't you try and experimenting with sex every other day? And then I said to his wife, if he brings down the level of sex, you know, activity, then you got to bring up your, your increase, your activity, increase your excitement. You know what I'm saying? And, it's, and then you got to, you got to, you know, create space and time around sex, right? Stop making sex be, you know, I got the kids in bed, 
finally fed the kids, and now I'm dead tired, and I'm giving you my dead tired body. You know what I'm saying? We have to figure out how to do that differently. I had a couple before where I said, hey, if you get them kids in the living room, you know, sit down for 20, 30 minutes, put the monitor on, and y'all go run to the back, get it popping. That might be fun. You know, it might be exciting. It might be, you know, y'all, y'all, you know, make it happen on top of the door while the kids beating on the door, you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's get back to exciting, fun, you know, sex where, I mean, and it's, it's really disappointing. I mean, it's, I see so many couples that are just not having sex. And they're not alarmed by not having sex. Like to me, that's a dead giveaway that your marriage is struggling when you come in my office and you say we have a sex once a week or once every other couple of weeks, or I don't really know how often we have sex. That means to me that you're not connecting. And for me, sex is not just the physical act, right? It's about, con- it's about connecting. It's about reminding our bodies that we belong to each other and not to anyone else. It's about reminding our spirits that we we only do this with each other and not someone Exactly. Else. I was reading something that was talking about how, and, and I just, you know, maybe this is just regular, but it was mind blowing for me. Um, just that sex and marriage should be completely amazing because you have one person that you have to focus on and you just have one person that you have to satisfy and you have your whole life to grow and learn exactly what turns that person on. And I mean, if you really and truly focus on satisfying your partner, it should be mind blowing all not, not like all the time because life happens. But, you know, you should really have some pretty amazing sex. Yeah, uh, me and my wife try to talk about sex maybe once a year. We, we well, Yeah, probably about once a year where we really just talk and I say, hey, I just want to make sure that you're happy. You know, um, what can I do differently? What can I do better? You know what I'm saying? Then of course I'm a dude, so I'm. Well, I know you don't like me saying that kind of stuff because you like don't 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 always, you know, uh, stereotype yeah, it as a dude. Yeah, it's two ways. But um, it's two ways, and so um, but I'll try to at least come to her and say, hey, you know, I feel like we haven't been connecting lately, or or if we have, or what's going on, or what can we do differently, what can we do better, you know, and just I I really do that about every aspect of my marriage, though, you know, like, uh, and I think you. That's the only way because people grow and change. The world is changing so much, you know, um, it's just yeah. tough, you know, but, but again, with problem solving, it is, you have to be able to be good. Let's give, let me give three, three real quick. And so three reasons why problem solving is so tough in marriage. Number one, uh, like I said, marriage is on a job training. Um, number two, um, communication, like we're not humble enough to listen and and be open to being wrong, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, like it bothers major. me when I do a couple. Oh, I, I was trying to skip over that. <laughs> yes. I pause there for a second. Right, like, like it bothers me that we get stuck in marriage where we're still prideful and all those types of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is my partner. This is my life partner. We've been together 12 years. I should be able to say everything and anything to her you know, to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? If I say it with care, if I say it with tenderness. And so if I go to her and say, hey, we're not, you know, pleasing each other sexually or whatever. And and that's the other thing too about sex is anytime that I felt like I may not have been pleasing my wife sexually, I said to myself, you know what? She's probably not that happy about our sexual interactions right now too. Yeah. You know, and men struggle with that. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, no, she going to be happy about the way I be beating it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know I've been getting it in oh for years. God. Anybody ever? 
oh, oh, then my favorite is ain't nobody ever complained before her. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you convicted and how you get it down, how you get it popping. And so, and so and I'm like, no, you got to be able to communicate. Sometimes you just, your chemistry is a little bit off. Um, sometimes the foreplay is a little bit off. The intimacy is a little bit off. Um, how you're feeling about each other during that time. You're going through a tough time. Like if you're emotionally going through a tough time yeah. in your marriage, the sex is not going to yeah. be as good normally. And so I would say marriage is on the job training. I would say communication. I would say that we give up on marriage way too easily. Like, let me restate that. What I mean is um, I have a lot of marriages where people just become yeah. stagnant and they just say, this is what yeah. it's going to be. Like I'm gonna, like I'm just gonna be unhappy with the sex in my marriage for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's like wow. There's people listening right now. There's people listening right now. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or like, the, just sex like, is not that yeah. important. I'm just gonna not focus on it. I'm not gonna focus on it. It's not a big deal. He's making it a big deal, or she's making a big deal. They making too big of a deal right. about sex. Why are you so? Why are you always talking about sex? Why you always want to have sex? Like all that kind of. You know, drama, or like I said, you know, people who are really just like, okay, this is my sex yes. life. Like and there both it is over there. Get like that. You know? Yes, and and I and I have people come in all the time. Like another thing that bothers me is I have a, a, a husband or wife come in and say, "Hey, my my spouse cheated on me," and I'll say, "Well, was your partner happy sexually?" And you just be surprised how many times people say to me, "Well, I don't know." Yeah, you know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? You're like, I mean, like, and see, that's where we get off track on our role is to make the person that we're with happy. And I got so many spouses who lose sight of that somewhere. You know, uh, they just just lose it. It's just human nature. Your focus is, am I happy? And I'm not happy, so it is what it is. Right. And whereas I I specifically concentrate on making sure that my wife is happy. Because I believe that the happier that I make her, the happier that she will make me. And that's really how marriage should work, right? Right. That's really, no, that's, I'm, that's how it should work. Like, like I have people come in all the time and I say, no, I take care of my wife's needs first because then she'll, because if I take care of my needs first and she take care of her needs first, what happens if one of us and gets stuck somewhere or, or what's the point of being married? There is no connection. There is no union. There is no relationship. And so my first thought, my first thing is I sacrifice for her. My second thought is, you know, what can I do for me? You know, and then I don't have to worry about that. I, she worries about me. And so I get a lot of couples who just come in and they're just like, we're unhappy. And that's just what it is. And we can't fix it. I'm making people who really come to me and say, you can't fix this. Like, like you know, go on, tell us for real. Like, you didn't see, you, you ain't never seen nothing like this. And, and oh, another <laughs> thing, Tamara. Okay, let me finish that one little part. So three reasons to be real clear that, that problem solving is difficult. Marriage is uh-huh. on the job training. We our communication and we don't know how to communicate to each other. We're not humble enough right. to be wrong. And then um, um, we give up too easy, um, meaning that we just we just stay where we are and think that this is going to be life and that we cannot make our marriage better. Uh, we just accept that our partner really either doesn't want to meet our needs or we can't meet their needs or whatever instead of figuring out a true compromise. And then fourth, our approach is wrong. What is that? You know, in terms of we approach, we, uh, meaning like, like, like when we have a problem that my approach should be to compromise. My approach should not be, let me explain it until she agrees with me. <laughs> I like that approach. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So you going to get, you going to get this it. right. You going to learn today. Hold on. 
Right. You're right. just not understanding. Let me say right. it again differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You're not understanding what I'm saying. And I'm like, no, no. W- once you recognize, and that's why I said earlier, you have to recognize why your partner is 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 feeling the way that they're feeling, right? So then you want to go to dinner at seven. They want to go at five, right? So now you understand what she wants to do. She wants to go at five. You understand why she wants to go at five. And now my approach is that I'm not trying to go at seven anymore. That's no longer my approach. My approach is six o'clock now, right? And so I want to go at seven. She wants to go at five. My approach is now, okay, can we go at six? I immediately give up 100% my way. Or even, but you know, I think, I think myself, that that is a lot of growth to say, um, let's go at six o'clock. But I think the even better approach is to say, is if you have the emotional intelligence to say, her reason for going at five makes more sense than my reason for going at seven. So let's just go at five. And that and that growth that you're really talking about is saying that, okay, and, and we're just going right. to go at five this time. And tomorrow, if I want to go at seven and she wants to go at five, I have to trust that she's going to say, you know what? Yesterday we went at five. Right. Today we can go at seven. And so we have to have that. And so that's a, that's a big part of marriage is being able to give my partner the benefit of the doubt that she's not going to always want things to go her way. That sometimes she's going to want, want things to go my way too. She wants me to be happy. And we lose that in marriage a lot of times where we want to know, you know, that each person okay, is going to so be Okay, so you're talking about all this negotiation. Spell negotiate. You're trying to say oh negotiate and spell everywhere in, in the script? Neo, it gives, gives it you It was copy and paste. <laughs> you're going to make jokes about the little script? That's horrible. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm scared. Okay. N. Okay. You ready? N-E-G-O-I. Is it I-T? N-E-G-O-T-I-A-T-E. Give me another one. Did you have that in front of you? No. Why? You think I can spell (laughs) negotiate? You so couldn't in this script. Oh, you know what? I was writing on my phone, so that means I can't spell (laughs) I gave up the whole spelling thing a long time ago. Obviously, I got a gang of editors and stuff like that. I gave that up when they started doing auto spell check. And okay, I gave so we're going to wrap up the whole problem solving by saying that the problem with problem solving is that we give up too easily and accept that we will be unhappy. And by give up too easily, that doesn't mean we um, should continue fighting just to fight, but that we should continue negotiating. We can. We should continue negotiating, and also um, I had to tell a, a, a group. A, I work with some groups on the weekend sometimes, and I had to tell um, a lot of couples that that we are not always built to solve all our problems. That's another big big issue too. Is that we have husbands and wives who think, well, if we can't work it out, then it ain't meant to be worked out. Can't nobody <laughs> else help us work it out, and that's that's not true. You know what I'm saying? It's right. ridiculous, actually. Right. You know what I mean? You know, just I mean, like I, I, I tell people sometimes, like, okay, like, okay, your problem, you need attention, and you need a non-biased person in the middle to help translate what each person is saying, so you can get on the same page. And I'll get a man or a woman to be like, we should be able to communicate. I'm like, no, maybe you can't communicate. Maybe you're from, you have different experiences, different observations. You come from a broken household. You come from a church household, and y'all are just two different people, and you cannot compromise. And you need someone to help you translate. And if you get someone to help you, then your marriage will be better. 
But people just be like, no, we should. That is major because we just feel like we should get, we should be able to figure it out on our own. And sometimes it's, it's not. not I don't, I don't, I don't even understand that. Like I don't like it's so many places where we go that we say, okay, this person is more knowledgeable about something. Like uh, I got a tax accountant. I got an agent to help me buy a house. I got a stockbroker. I got a finance person. You know, I got a mechanic that I go to and I don't understand what's going on. I got, got a preacher. You know what I'm saying? I got Jesus. a doctor. I can self-diagnose <laughs> myself. I mean, like, you know, I got a dentist. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I mean, I don't, I got a massage therapist. I got a chiropractor. You know, I, I, I pay all those people, you know, to work on things that are external to my body and all that. But the most important thing to me is my mental and my emotional. And I won't get anybody to help me with that. Okay, so we got like onto this whole and we got in some good stuff about problem solving, but we didn't talk about this oh, drug addiction and oh. drug addicted boyfriend. <laughs> so and so what happened was um I had a client <laughs> talk about that at all. who came to me and she said that um, you know, and it's one of my clients I've had like over years, we just touch base like maybe quarterly or something like that. And um she came to me and she said, Okay, uh I hadn't been telling you, but the guy mm-hmm. that for the last year, two years. And for a minute, yeah, like she said, he does. Okay, like and um, and I was like caught off guard, and she said, "But it's fine. I just wanted to just talk about it, but I think I'm fine." And I, you know, it's been some years, and um, she basically said, "It's the best boyfriend I've ever had, and our relationship is great, and he's very supportive, and I just don't want to go back to." She's she said the, the, the profound thing that she said was. All of my past relationships were with men who did something to hurt me. This boyfriend is hurting himself, but he's not hurting me. So what she meant was a guy in the past cheated on her, a guy in the past uh, mistreated her, a guy in the past, um, you know, was abusive, a guy in the past was disrespectful or whatever. And this guy is none of those things that would hurt her. He's just hurting himself. No, <laughs> he he does cocaine. Um, maybe every other week. Okay. he's a Wall so Street banker. We talking um, like he smoke weed on the weekends. Money. And but, I mean, um, when he's with his friends on occasion, by every other week, he takes a couple lines of cocaine, it's like about fifty dollars worth. And he and he really is using it as a, a social drug, which is what cocaine really the the instruction manual that comes with cocaine. That's really how you should. <laughs> it is really how. Cocaine should be used as a social drug, not something that you just get addicted to. And that's how I've always heard about it or read about it in the 70s. She says five reasons why the instruction manual? her relationship works with a drug-addicted boyfriend. She says, number one, he loves me. Number two, he's romantic. Number three, he's supportive. Number four, well, wait a minute. He's if he's doing it every five, other week, there's some life. addiction, some level of addiction. <laughs> you want to put that at the top? Is it? <laughs> it's got to be in there somewhere. It's got to be. It's got to be close number six. <laughs> Don't overlook it. And then, but you know what, though? And, and and so when she told me that, I was kind of caught off guard. She says it's, it's just a thing here yeah, in New York that, really you know, good. people, you know, in, in, a, in an upper class, you know, party people <laughs> um, at a different kind of level. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, we're talking about people right. who make it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And she said that it's not just him. It's a group of people, like successful people. And, and, not, and what I did. The Wolf of Wall Street is real. And then she said, and then I did some research. Like I called a couple of my other clients in New York and 
come to find out, one of my clients, she said her ex-boyfriend that I used to work with her on, she said he did cocaine. Wow. But she said that he she did not acknowledge it as a problem. It was a social drug. To her, it was just like him deciding to smoke weed every other week or every week. He took a hit week. He didn't do it during the week. He worked hard. He was professional. He was never missing or nothing like that. But he liked cocaine when he was partying. I think it's I think it's the lifestyle. You know, we're in Dallas. We're a little bit slower. These people okay, partying so at a whole honest, other level. No it's kind of like when we go when we go to New York, L. A., Vegas, um, or whatever. We know we go so, hard at a whole other level, like right. And just I think it's thinking about it's some. It's not for us. We don't understand. She said that like once she found out, she said for the first year he hit smoking it weed. Is and it, then when I mean, she found out that he did it, and she would discuss it with friends. She found out like she had a number of friends that also did cocaine too that she just did not know because they're own they're they're their own little group. And then when she told her friend, go ahead. Right. Crack is crack is whack when they tell you that. <laughs> For, for uh, additionally, she said that this is the first boyfriend whoever was really into her. Okay, so in is, terms of, and she's like, you know, forties. Is there I think, not downside? Like, like I'm seeing, you know, jungle and she said fever. That he just and, came to her you know, one day I mean, I and crack, said, "Hey, but, you know, like, I hate your dreams you know, about starting your own business and things like that." And he gave her fifty thousand dollars. No strange attached. Can you like, actually you know, start have your business. a normal and now business is doing life? Really, really well. And she said, "You know." That should be one of the fives. Okay, I need to rearrange her five to sex and money. She about to be mad. She about to be mad when she hit this podcast. And I said, we gotta, we gotta move out. We gotta move out. Uh, is romantic and say hitting that thing right, blowing her back out. And we gotta move out. He loves me and say he got that that them deep pockets and we go on vacations everywhere. But but at the same time, she has dated, you know, um, financially well off people before. Like she's dated. Uh, entertainers, she's dated <laughs> yeah, athletes. You know, and he, actually, the enter- entertainers and athletes had more money, <laughs> but they were less generous. <laughs> exactly, they were a lot less generous. And she said that those men were all about themselves, like they're you entertainers, know? right? So they're used to being in the spotlight, like they're athletes. So he's used to you know having his name on stuff and commercials and all that kind of stuff. I remember seeing uh, Cap. Kanye West one day said how hard it was for him to be humble when he's stunting around on a jumbotron. You know what I'm saying? You look up and you see yourself. But you see yourself on a hundred foot screen. That's what I was about to say. Or, it's not know, about how much whatever, they have. It's and how much everyone is screaming your name and then you want me to be humble. You know, and I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. Like, that, you can't be humble. Like, it's some, like we're asking them to be supernatural now. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, okay, so there's a saying power corrupts absolute no, wait, absolute power 
corrupts absolutely. Yeah, um, so power I corrupts and absolute um, power corrupts absolutely. But I do think that um, men but have learned. I still think that we all men learn, have it's easier, um, like a responsibility to not even learn. You know, things. have some like moral more standards. So to be you know, in a relationship, say, okay, I got all of this and that, and it's you know, harder that's to learn how to God, be in a relationship. And choice, and you're responsible for the, for for the reasons really that we've been talking about. So. I, I I get it, but no, that's not an excuse. I mean, like that's the, the like that whole Jay Z thing. You know, there's no excuse for cheating on Beyonce. That was that was your choice. True. It's not an excuse, but it is real, right? It is factual that sin. Like like I tell people, like I had a conversation with someone recently where I was talking. About, they were talking about they're not really a Christian and asking me why I was a Christian, and I was saying really morally everything. I'm everything is based on me being a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I don't like. I, if I wasn't a Christian, I don't but know I how I couldn't I, just push I think a person that off the saying it's that. harder like, you know, to be, be moral. No repercussions to it. Basically. And morality Besides, is something you know, that morality. has to be taught. I mean, it's time sin is I can do stuff to people. Or anybody can do stuff to people. That's I know where to find out, right, or whatever. You know, but I don't mistreat people because I'm a Christian. You know, and so it comes from that kind of place. And a lot of people are either not focused on that or missing that. I feel like the there's they have so much money that. And and really, it's just it's it's tough out there, man. It's tough out there for folks. Right, right. Right. Um. You know what? What are they learning though? See, I don't know what they learned. Like, you ever read anything about atheists? But see, what I would say then, if they're atheists and they don't do things to people, is because they are legally binding yeah. things. I mean, like you can't kill people. No one can kill people, no matter what religion. Right. But I'm saying, like, religion. if I wanted to, for uh, example, when I ride the shuttle, I ride the train, atheist. and it's an old woman standing up, I'm gonna get up because I'm a Christian. I feel like I feel like that's the Christian thing to do. Or if someone steps on my foot while I'm walking, I forgive them, right? Because I feel like that's the Christian thing to do. Um, or if someone I mean, drops something, I try know, to help there's them. No, like, you know what I mean? Like for me, you're kind of I guess asking all if of some that kind of, on, on me. Um, you know, feeling like okay, God might be watching me, or another person might be watching me, and they want to say, okay, path, that you know? that I want. That's the Christian thing to do. That's why he a Christian. That's how he exhibits being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you are you trying to tell the podcast listeners something? You gonna? Are you gonna make a clarification on your your Christianity stance, though? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a whole nother debate because I feel like you know you can be atheist and and still give somebody your seat and still have a moral code. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I just that was just a, a thought. I, I think that morality is not necessarily Well, and then the other critique religion. or the other, you know, um, criticism but, would be um, I mean, because if, if we say that, then we have day. all kinds of specific, pastors and preachers who believe in God. Um, Republicans, right? Like, I are not understand. I'm moral. Um. <laughs> Dem- Democrats, too. 
It's some bad, it's some some non Christian activity. I mean, I'm Christian. I'm too. just saying. I'm just saying that you know, um, okay. I don't want to ostracize somebody. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I, understand how you could be an atheist and how you could ever not believe that there's a God, but um, but I I can't say that you're immoral because of or amoral because of it. Agreed. So please be sure to subscribe and follow our podcast so you can be automatically alerted when we produce a new episode on iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Tell a friend to repost and retweet this podcast. Okay, so we're out of time. Uh, yeah, I think it's a politician thing because politicians get paid. <laughs> I'm just saying, at the end of the day, our whole government is corrupt. There may be, you know, a, a speck, a few specks of morality in the United States government, but I would be willing to say that the majority is not. <laughs> Thank you and bye y'all.